Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In the beginning of Parshas Dvorim, Meshur Rabbeinu recounts the story of how many years previous he came to the realization that he was unable to be the sole uh, judge of the Klai Yisrael, and that therefore he found it necessary to appoint various lower court judges. Let's take a look just at a couple of psukim here with the Rashi. I said to you at that time, years before, I am not able by myself to carry you, to bear you. Hashem, your God, has made you very great or very, perhaps very numerous. And behold, you are today like the stars of the heavens for multitudes. So you are just too big of a nation for me to judge all by myself. And therefore, at that time, I suggested that you appoint lower court judges. Let's go now straight to Rashi. Rashi here raises a question on this statement that Moshe Rabbeinu makes, I am not able to bear you. I'm not able to do it all by myself. Asks Rashi, I'm going to take out this word E. It doesn't really matter, but most, I, most of the texts of Rashi that I've seen begin with the word Efshar. Is it possible that Moshe was not able to judge Yisrael? Is it possible he didn't have the strength or the, the ability to judge them all by himself? This person, Moshe, who took them out of Mitzrayim, and he tore open for them the sea. He performed Kriyas Yamsuf. And he brought down the Mon. And he brought down for them the Slav. He brought down from the sky these uh, uh, birds that they ate in the Midbar. He was not able to judge them. Ella, rather, you have to say, in other words, it's not literal. He's not literally saying, I, I can't manage it. It's too big of a job. But rather, what, what, was, what did he say to them? Hashem, Hashem your God, <clears throat> has multiplied you or made you very great. Hashem has made you greater and higher than your dayonim, than your judges. Meaning, he has taken away the punishment from you, and he has placed it upon the judges. In other words, if I make any mistake, I'm going to be punished by a Kodesh Baruch Hu. If, I, if there's a monetary dispute in court, and I, uh, I declare the money belongs to the incorrect party, I'm going to be punished, and so on. And similarly, Shlomo HaMelech said, that he can't judge the people by himself. Who can judge this great people? 
So here we have the same question. Is it possible that someone about whom it is said, meaning Shlomo HaMelech, he was wiser than all people. Omer, could such a person say, how could I judge? If he was the wisest of all men, he should certainly be able to judge everyone. He can be the Supreme Court judge and the lower court judges all at once. Ella, kachamar Shlomo. This is what Shlomo said. The Dayanim, the judges of this nation, of Klai Yisrael, are not like the judges of other nations. The judges of the other nations, if the judge makes a judgment, he gives a ruling, and but through his ruling, he kills somebody, he whips somebody, he, somebody is strangled as a punishment, as a form of punishment, and he tilts their judgment in favor of one party of the other, and he steals, that's nothing. But I, Shlomo Amelech, if I obligate somebody in money, not according to the law, in other words, if I make a mistake and I award the one in money to the wrong party, I am, I am, it is demanded of me, as if I have killed. Shenemar, as it says in Aposek, the kova es koivehem nofesh. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will demand from those who uh, misjudge his people, nofesh. He will demand their lives. There's, there are many points to discuss here, but I'd like to consider Rashi's kashya about Moshe Rabbeinu. And the first point to, point to consider is a general principle, which is elaborated upon by, by the supercommentary Maskele the David, and some of the other great supercommentaries. I've discussed it a number of times, and that is that normally Rashi does not explicitly write his questions. The vast majority of Rashi comments in the Chumash, he doesn't tell you what his question is. He expects you to know that. Rashi simply tells you how to understand the Pusik. You have to go back and say, why is he bothering to tell me this? Oh, I see, because if not, I would have had the following question on the Pusik. So Rashi is answering a, an, a, an implied question, but not a question that he states clearly. On occasion, when Rashi states his question clearly, that is a simon, says the Moscow the Dovid, that is a sign that that's not his main question. Really, there's another implicit question, which is really Rashi's main question. Why does Rashi explicitly write a different question? He's really writing that question only to get to an answer, which will answer both questions. In other words, question A, which is implicit but not stated, that's the real problem with the Pasek that Rashi is dealing with. In order to answer it, Rashi will sometimes go to the Midrash, go to the Gemara, and quote a question that the Midrash asks, and give the answer that the Midrash gives or the Gemara gives, and the answer to question B also answers question A. Let's see how that works over here. Here the Mask of the David raises the question, why does Rashi write this question explicitly? Is it possible that Moshe could not judge Kalei Yisrael? He took them out of Mitzrayim, he split the Yamsuf, he brought down the Mon and the Slav. You mean to say that he couldn't judge them? So Rashi writes his question very explicitly. So the Maskele the David, following his general principle, he says, 
that it must be that really Rashi is bothered by something else in the Pasuk. What is Rashi really bothered with in this Pasuk? That he does not say clearly, but he expects you to know it. Says the Maskil the David, This word, se'es, to carry or to bear, it doesn't seem like exactly the, the best word over here. If the point is that Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, I, I don't think that I can judge you all, he should have said, I cannot judge you all. Ladun also means to judge. What's the difference between Ladun and Lishpot? I'm not sure at the moment, but both those words are the more typical words used for judging, for acting as a judge. Why does Moshe Rabbeinu use this word, Se'es, to carry, to bear? So the Mosque of the David says, for that reason, because Rashi had this question, he now went into the Midrash. It's in the Sifri, which is one of the primary Midrashim on Sefer Dvarim and on Sefer Bamidbar. He went into the Sifri and he saw that the Sifri asks a different kasha. The Sifri asks, how is it that Moshe Rabbeinu could say that he couldn't judge them? Well, Moshe Rabbeinu could do just about anything. Moshe Rabbeinu could split the Yamsuf. So how could he say, I, can't, I don't see how I could possibly judge them. And the Sifri answers that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, yeah, I could judge them, but it's a very big responsibility. If I make even one small mistake, I'm in big trouble. Because HaKadosh Baruch Higdil Vaheirim Eschem Al Hashem has risen, raised, has raised you up above your judges. So yes, I could do it, but I don't want to. It's too much of a responsibility. Now, that's the question and the answer that Rashi copies, that Rashi quotes from the Sifri. How does this answer his original question? Oh, now we go back and we can see that why did the Pusik use specifically this word se'es, to bear or to carry, rather than the word lishpot? Because that's exactly what it means. Meshulamenu is not exactly saying, I can't judge them. He could judge them. He's saying, I can't bear I can't bear you. I can't carry you. I can't. I can't deal with the with the pressure of being your judge because one little mistake and uh, I'm in a, I'm in big trouble. So I need some help. So we have here a classic example of the Maskev Ledovitz principle that when Rashi writes a question explicitly, that is a sign that really that's not his main question. His main question is an implicit question that you have to find on your own. And Rashi's explicit, explicit question and answer are, he brings them in, he quotes them, in order to come at an answer to his implicit question. That's what the Maskele David says about this Rashi. Now, there is a, a, uh, there is a corollary to the, to the Maskele David's principle. And that is, in my humble opinion, the corollary is as follows. How did Rashi know which questions to simply imply and just give us the answer and expect us to know what, he's, what he is answering and which questions to ask explicitly? In my humble opinion, the, the rule is as follows. Questions that are based purely on a simple, intelligent reading of the Pusik. Rashi expects us to, to see those questions for ourselves. For example, the question, the question about 
what's the, why did the Torah use this word se'es, rather than a more common word like lishpot oladun? That is a question in the text itself, and it doesn't really require anything more than just being intelligent to, to sense this question. Such a question Rashi does not write. He expects you, the reader, the learner, to, to notice it yourself and to understand that maybe what Rashi is saying is coming to answer that question. But questions that are not, so, not based so much on the text itself. For example, if there is a question that is based on knowledge of some other Pasuk that we haven't read yet, some other Pasuk later in the Torah or later in Tanakh, that Rashi will write explicitly. He does not expect you, when you're learning Dvarim, to know everything that's in Eoiv and Tilim and Divrei Hayamim. That's one kind of question that Rashi will write explicitly. Another kind of question that Rashi will write explicitly is when the question is not based on a reading of the Pasuk itself, but rather is based on something that a Gemara or a Midrash tells us. Again, Rashi's assumption is that you are a, an intelligent person who is learning Chumash. He does not expect you to know all the Gemaras and Shas and all the Midrashim that are in the various collections of Midrashim. If a question is based purely on some point that's in the Gemara or the Midrash, then Rashi will write that question explicitly. And a third kind of question that Rashi will write explicitly is what I call a akasha hatluya v'svarachitzayna. If there is a kasha, if there is a question that is based on some outside idea, it's based on some kind of reasoning that's not in the Pasuk itself, Rashi will write it explicitly. And for the example, a good example, is this question right here that we're discussing. This question that Rashi asks, how could it be that Moshe Rabbeinu thought he could not judge the people? Didn't he split the Yamsov and didn't he take Klai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim? And didn't he bring down the Mon and the Slav? That's a Svarachi Tzayna. That's, um, one might not have thought of that question. One might have thought as follows. One might have said, even if one had, even if you had learned the Chumash up until here, and you had learned it well, you had learned it carefully and intelligently, and you knew all of these great things that Moshe Rabbeinu had done, would you come to the conclusion that he could be a great judge? I don't know. He did miracles. He took us out of Mitzrayim. He split the Yamsuf. He brought down the Mon. He brought down the Slav. I don't know if that means he'd be a great judge. What do you need? What, do you, what are the qualifications for being a miracle worker? A legitimate miracle worker, like Moshe Rabbeinu. I would say you have to be a very righteous man. You have to be a very, you're not only a tzaddik, but you have to be a chassid. You have to be someone who really clings to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in an extraordinary fashion. You do have to be a Talmud Chacham, most likely. <laughs> according, to, according to our tradition, an ignorant person, an ignorant person, an empty, ignorant person is not to be considered pious. He is not to be considered someone who is very close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So yes, you need to be a Talmud Chacham. But the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu could perform miracles, the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose him to be the agent through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu would do all these miracles, I don't know if it's obvious that that qualifies him to be a shayfet, to be a judge and to be the one judge 
of all of Klai Yisrael. I would say that uh, different skill sets over here. There's one skill set that is necessary to be a judge. You need to know the Shulchan Aruch backwards and forwards. You need to know all of the laws of the Torah in, in, with great profundity. And you have to have a sensitivity to, to understand the psychology of the people who are coming in front of you and when they're lying and when they're not lying and when they're kind of lying and when they're not lying at all. And you have to understand life situations. And, and, and of course, you have to know the laws. You have to know all the laws, not just some of the laws. Uh, you get 85% uh, correct on your halacha test. That's not good enough to be a shayfet. Maybe the other 15% that you didn't know, maybe that's the crux of the case that's before you. So Rashi's question here is totally the svara It's It depends on a svara, which I don't understand fully. We'll talk about it in a minute. But it depends on a svara. It depends on a piece of reasoning that is that is not altogether obvious. That if Moshe Rabbeinu could do all these miracles, he is certainly qualified to, to be the judge of all of Klai Yisrael. Since this is a question which is based on svara chitzayna, it's based on an outside piece of reasoning. It's a piece of reasoning that is not implicit in the Pasuk in front of us. So therefore, I believe that is why Rashi wrote his question here explicitly. Of course, we have to now come back and explain what sense does Rashi's question make? What is he asking? Couldn't we just answer this question the way I have just answered it? That, that no, Moshe Rabbeinu did a lot of Nisim, but, but what does that got to do with him judging all of Kalei Yisrael? It does not qualify him to be the grand and only Shoifet of Kalei Yisrael. So what is Rashi asking? And I think the, the explanation of this is, it's a kind of fundamental point that I've mentioned several times. The point is made by the great Mashkiach of the Miri Yeshiva, Rabbi Yerucham Levavitz, who explains in a, in a shmuz on Parshas Mishalach, that the most important part of a miracle, the real ikar, the main point of a miracle is not what he calls the Hatzola. It is not that a certain person or a certain group or the entire nation is saved from danger. For example, when we talk about Kriyas Yamsuf, the, the Nekuda, the Nekuda Apnimis, the the inner essential point of Kriyas Yamsuf is not that Klai Yisrael was standing by the Yam. They couldn't go forward. And they couldn't go backwards. The, uh, the Egyptian army was, was sharpening their swords behind them. So they were in a terrible distress, in a terribly dangerous situation. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu did a miracle. He split the Yamsuf and they walked through on dry land. Oh, Baruch Hashem, we were saved. That is not the essential point of Kriyas Yamsu. It is true, and we should certainly be thankful that a Kodesh Baruch Hu saved us from that danger, but that's not really what Kriyas Yamsu is about. Not in its essence, not, in its, not to, in its profundity. What is it about? It is about Giloi Hashem Yisborach. It is about a revelation of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. A Kodesh Baruch Hu at the Yamsu revealed what he can do, and not only what he can do, like showing off a muscle, but he revealed his love for Klai Yisrael. And he revealed certain aspects, many aspects 
of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. Uh, Rabbi Ruchim discusses the, 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 the famous statement that made, is made by the Midrash and that Rashi quotes in Parshish Bishalach, that Rosa Shifcha Alayam, Mashalay Rosa Yecheskel Ben Buzi, that a maidservant, a non-Jewish slave girl who was there at the Yamsuf, she was attached to Klai Yisrael. She was a, a shifcha who belonged to a Jew. A non-Jewish slave girl who was there at the Yamsuf saw a greater revelation of a Kodesh Baruch Hu than the Navi Yecheskel. The Navi Yecheskel saw fantastic revelations of the, the Masa Merkava, a Kodesh Baruch Hu's throne and chariot and the angels. And of course, we don't, uh, this is all metaphorical and it, it's very hard to understand exactly what he saw. That's not for little people such as myself, but he saw something, a fantastic revelation of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. The Shifcha Alayam saw more. That's how Chazal uh, define the essence of Kriyas Yamsuf. They don't say that uh, more people were saved at the Yamsuf than in any other event in human history. I don't know if they were or were not, but that's not what Chazal say. When Chazal Kvel, when they, when they, uh, sit back and, and, and in wonderment and talk about what happened at, at Kriyas Yamsuf, the point they make is that there was a revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu at, at Yamsuf greater than the greatest revelations that some of the Nevi'im merited. So we see from there, explains Rabbi Yerucham, that the most important aspect, the, really the, the, the Nekuda, the real point, the real inner essence of a miracle is that is it, a, it is a revelation of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu is and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, relates to Klai Yisrael and relates to the world, etc. It's about revelation. We just finished learning Parshas Bamidbar last week. In Parshas Bamidbar, there are several examples where we see, I think, again and again, this idea that is expressed by Rabbi Yerucham. If we go to Parshas Shlach, if we go to the story of the Meraglim, uh, wrong one, let's go here. If we go to Parshas Shlach, so the Meraglim went to Eretz Israel, they came back, they gave a bad report, they discouraged the people, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Vayemer Hashem al-Moshe, Ad ona yina'atsuni ha'amazeh, for how long will this nation anger me? Yad ona lo yaminu and for how long will they not believe in me? In all of the signs that I did amongst them. Rashi says, Because of all the miracles that I did for Kala Yisrael, in most texts it has an extra word here, which I think belongs, they should have believed, that the ability is in my hand, in the hands of Hashem, to, to keep my promise. Now, what do you see in here? What do you see from this Rashi? Because Rashi really is just paraphrasing the Pesach. But what do you see from the Rashi? It doesn't say here that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was angry at Kalal Yisrael because I did all these miracles for them and they don't appreciate it. They're not makir teva. You know, I did all these miracles for them. They, they should listen to me. They should do whatever I say. If I say go to Eretz Yisrael, they should go to Eretz Yisrael. 
they shouldn't come back and, and, dis and, and discourage everyone from going, and then the people shouldn't believe those who discourage. It doesn't say that in Rashi, and it doesn't say that in the Pusik. It says, I did all these miracles for them, so why, why is it lo yaminovi? Why don't they believe in me? The purpose of a miracle is not that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is doing you a favor to save you from something. He, it is true, he did save you from something. But that's not the, that's not the essential point. I think you see from this Pusik and this Rashi, the essential point of a miracle is that asisi lahem hayolahem lahamin? I did miracles for them. They should believe that I can do it. They can, they should believe that I can do what I promise. In other words, by doing the miracles for Klai Yisrael in Mitzrayim and in the exit from Mitzrayim, in the Exodus from Mitzrayim, that should have been a, re, a, re, a revelation, a, a revelation to them about what a Kodesh Baruch Hu can do, and they should have believed. And yet, they. They didn't trust the Kodesh Baruch They didn't think a Kodesh Baruch could do it. Another Pasuk in Parshas Chukas. In Parshas Chukas, there is a, there is a story that uh, the people um, complained in an inappropriate manner and a Kodesh Baruch sent snakes and this, these poisonous snakes were biting the people. We're just... Uh, Focusing in on one small point in the story. We're not telling the whole story here. So Hashem said to Moshe, You should make for yourself a, a, an image of a poisonous snake. In the end, Moshe Rabbeinu made it out of copper. The sim oso al nes, al nes, and place it upon a nes. We'll talk in a minute what that word nes means. And it will be everyone who was bitten by the, by the real snakes, anyone who was bitten by the snakes, so he will see your snake up on the stick, and he will live. Somehow, and again, that's not for now, that's for another time, but somehow, when the people will look at Moshe Rabbeinu's snake, at his uh, image of the snake, so they will be cured of the snake bites that they suffered. Now, it says, to make this image of a snake, the sim osom al nes, and put it onto a nes. Says Rashi, what's a nes? Al clunus, on a stick, on a pole. Feria balaz, it is called in Old French feria. V'chein, and similarly, kanes al hagivor, like a pole on a tall hill, something that is standing up for everyone to see, like a pole on top of a hill. Or, arim nisi, I will lift up my pole. I will, like I have a flag on a pole, I will lift up my pole. Or another Pasuk in Yeshaya, su'unes, lift up the pole. Or the fisha gavaya, since this nase, since this pole is tall, la'os, la'os l'ria, and it is a sign to be seen, korehu nase. So therefore the Torah calls it nase. So really, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, make an image of a snake and put it on top of a tall pole, put it on the top of a, something like a flagpole. But why is the flagpole called by the word nace? Because it is something that is tall and to be seen. Now, I think from this, we can go the other way around. And we can say, why is a miracle called a nace? Because a miracle is something to be seen. It's a revelation. The main, the essence of, an, of a miracle is not God saved you. The essence of a miracle is 
it is something to be seen. It is a, is it is a revelation, it is a display of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, to some extent. Some miracles display more than others. Some miracles display different points, different aspects. But the, but the essence of an ace is, it is a display. And therefore, a, a flagpole, a tall pole, that is used to display something is also called by this word, nace. One more pasuk, a pasuk in Parshas Pinchas. In Parshas Pinchas, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu is uh, taking a census of the Klal Yisrael. And he is, uh, and here he is counting uh, some of the B'nai Reuven. He's counting some of the people, the, the people in the tribe of Reuven. And it says he, uh, counted Wenei uh, Eliyav, he counted the children of Eliyav, Nemuel v'dasan v'aviram, these three people, who dasan v'aviram, this is the dasan and aviram, kriyei Eda. these were the important people of the congregation, asher hitsu al moishevi ala aroin ba'adas korach, who uh, caused rebellion against Moshe and Aaron uh, in the, with the congregation of Korach, al Hashem when they caused rebellion against Hashem, but and now Moshe Rabbeinu retells or the Torah retells, the earth opened up its mouth, and it swallowed them, the and also it swallowed up Korach, the as the congregation as many members of the congregation were dying, when the fire ate up the two hundred and fifty people who were bringing a, an inappropriate katoiris in front of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So it's retelling some of the things that happened in Parshish Korach, that the earth swallowed up some people, and other people were, were, being, were dying in a plague, and there were 250 people who were bringing katoiris, and they were burnt by Yiyu Lanes, and they were for a nace. Now what does it mean they were for a nace? You might have said they, a miracle occurred with them. Yes, a miracle occurred. It is miraculous that these people were swallowed up by the earth. It is miraculous that these uh, 250 people uh, were burnt up by, by, by the fire when they went to, all they had was a little bit of fire in a pan to burn some incense. You don't usually get consumed by fire when you do that. So it's miraculous that they were, they were consumed by a raging fire. A miracle occurred to them. But what does it mean they were for a nace? So Rashi says, They became a sign and a remembrance. The Pasuk says, in order that no non-Koyan should come close to the Mishkan and attempt to replace the Koyanim, to disagree, to rebel against the Kahuna. We see here that the word nes means, here you have a nace. Nobody was saved. These people were all killed. But it's, it, the Pasuk says these people became a nace. What does it mean these people became a nace? They became a sign to remember a certain, certain very important point that you're not supposed to argue with Aaron Akain. You're not supposed to disagree and try to replace him and all of his, all of his descendants as Kaihanim. So again, I think we see that the, the, the essence of the word nace, the essence of what a nace is, is, is a, it is an, an os, it's an os. It's a sign, meaning it is there to reveal to us certain matters 
about HaKadosh Baruch Now, based on all of this, I think we can go back to our Rashi in Parashas Dvarim, and we can understand it. Rashi here asks a question. How could it be that, that Moshe Rabbeinu could say, I can't judge all the people? Didn't he take them out of Mitzrayim? Didn't he split for them the Yamsuf? Didn't he bring down for them the Mon? Didn't he bring down for them the Slav? How could it be that he could not judge them? And we asked, wait a minute, it's two different things. It's true, he did all those miracles. He's a big Sadek, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves him, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does amazing things for him and through him. Does that mean he's the most qualified person to, to, to judge the people? Does that mean that he's the most knowledgeable person in, in the laws of the Torah and the most sensitive to the, to the different claims that different litigants have and, and that he knows how to judge? No. Doesn't seem to, one doesn't seem to have anything to do with the other. But now that we know this fundamental point from Rabbi Yerucham and from these several psukim with Rashi, I think we can say as follows. Moshe Rabbeinu was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's agent for doing miracles, many miracles, fantastic miracles. What is a miracle? A miracle is a revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does it, what is really happening when a, when a judge, when a shoifet, a dayan, studies the Dini HaTorah and applies the rules of the Torah to judge cases? There is a revelation of Torah. That is a really great revelation. You're not just uh, learning in a Gemara and saying, maybe like this and maybe like, no, you're really bringing it out. According to the Halacha, and you're really coming to a conclusion, that is a great revelation of the Torah. The Torah is Yisrael, V'yaraisa, V'kut Shabrichu, Chadhu. The Torah and HaKadosh Baruch are equivalent the Zayar says, the Torah itself is a, is a revelation of a Kodesh Baruch uh, There's another bit of, uh, of Kabbalah. It says this in uh, Sefer HaTanya, I'm sure it says in other places. The Tayag Mitzvahs, the 613 Mitzvahs are referred to as Tayag Evre Damalka. They are the 613 limbs of the king. The king meaning a Kodesh Baruch Meaning, it's very hard to to get to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You can't see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Most people can't. Well, you can talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but if he talks to you, you're either a Navi or a nut. So most people HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't talk to. So how do you get to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How do you, how, well, you're supposed to not know. I mean, you're supposed to serve a God that you, that you have no idea who he is, what he is. The answer is the Torah, the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah are the every Malka. The more you learn about the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah, meaning the Torah, you are piecing together a puzzle, which ultimately gives you a picture, of course, not a, not a physical picture, but a metaphorical picture, but a conceptual picture of HaKadosh Baruch The Torah is some sort of manifestation of HaKadosh Baruch so yes, this is Rashi's kasha. A person like Moshe Rabbeinu, who was a Kodesh Baruch Hu's agent to do all these nisim, to do all these miracles. In other words, that Moshe Rabbeinu was a person who could, who could be used as an agent 
to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yes, he should be able to judge He should be able to, to know all the dinim of the Torah, to know them completely and thoroughly and profoundly, and to bring out halacha the maisa, to, to bring them to their practical conclusion and to judge the people according to the laws of the Torah. We have here a sort of a, uh, a mathematical uh, equivalence here. We have, I think it's called the communicative property. We have A, the ability, the ability to perform miracles, equals B, it means the ability to bring about a revelation of a Kodesh Baruch We have C, which is the ability to know the Torah and to judge according to the Torah, also equals B. It really means the ability to bring about a revelation of a Kodesh Baruch So if A equals B and C equals B, so math- mathematically we say A equals C. Moshe Rabbeinu's ability to perform miracles or to be a Kodesh Baruch shliach to do miracles does mean that he should be able to judge Kla Yisro by himself. He should be able, he should be able to be the one and most authoritative, the one and only judge of Kla Yisro. Except uh, Rashi has to, based on the Midrash, he has to change the meaning of the Pasuk a little bit. Moshe Rabbeinu is not saying I'm I don't have the qualifications to do it. It's like Uchalabadi but I can't bear it. I'm afraid what's going to happen if I make one mistake. I'm still human, as great as I am. What happens if I make some small, small mistake? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to punish me, and he's going to deal with me so harshly that I don't want that responsibility. 